Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone. This is Sam Black with Ground and Roots with Sam Black here on Blog Talk Radio. Happy Thursday. I hope you're all having an absolutely beautiful day wherever you are in the world. You know, here in Niagara Falls, Ontario, it is turning into a sunny day. We've had a little bit of cloud and rain lately, but today the sun's peeking out through those beautiful colored leaves. It's just absolutely beautiful outside. Um, So yeah, I hope you're all having a great day. And I can't complain. You know, I started my day today with a float. As many of you know, I have my my float pods at our wellness center here in Niagara Falls. And so I've been trying to start my day with a float. And, you know, it's great for pain management, but I've been finding, especially on my writing days where I'm creating content and all of that sort of thing, that to go for a float first has been amazing. So, you know, I was talking to our lovely guest, Aaron, a few minutes ago, and and they were like, are you on volume? Like, you're just so relaxed. And, you know, totally not. It's all au naturel here. But, you know, I am really relaxed. I'm just, that's how I am. You know, we had a beautiful float. And then I did a bunch of writing and connected with a couple clients and then came here to connect with all of you. So I definitely can't complain. It's been a beautiful day in my world. And, you know, I really hope it's been a beautiful day in your world, too. And I'm excited to connect with all of you. I've been getting some messages and um, people connecting about how the guests have really changed their lives and how, you know, connecting with the radio show has been really good for you. So thank you so much for you, those of you who have been connecting. Um, I'd love to hear from you and I'd love the feedback. So um, thank you again. And for anyone wanting to connect, you can always reach me at sam at groundedrootswellness.ca. So I would love now to introduce today's guest. So here we go. I would love to introduce Aaron Pruitt. Now, Aaron lives in California, and I had the pleasure of meeting Aaron at Omega in New York last spring. And she is a psychic medium, but she is also the owner of Bent Wings Incorporated. She's both the owner and a practitioner. You're going to hear all about her intuitive readings, Reiki, guided meditations, all kinds of cool things that she's doing there. But also, Erin has an absolutely amazing story. Erin will be sharing her story, but it's really all about the power of forgiveness and how that plays a role in our life. I know I work with a lot of people who come to me and they say, you know, I'm feeling stuck, I'm feeling angry, I'm feeling this, and I can totally relate. I know when I was going through the accident and I had, you know, lost my job over the injuries, I was really angry for a little while. And it took that process of going through finding forgiveness that really allowed me to move to the next level and find a new life and be open to what was out there for me. So without further ado, we're going to hear all about Erin's story and hear about the amazing things that Erin does. So welcome, Erin. Thank you, Sam. What a pleasure to be here with you. Thanks so much. And you know, what time is it there where you are in California? It's 11.03 a.m. Perfect. So, <laughs> so for here, you know, it's, it's the middle of afternoon here. And for Aaron, it's almost lunchtime. So uh, thanks so much for connecting. What have you been up to lately, Aaron? 
Oh, goodness. I know because we met back in the spring, and um, I have really been building my business. Um, we Bent Wings uh, Incorporated has – it'll be like a year since I started the business, and we've really built up our clients with readings, and one of their favorite things to do is guided meditation and past life regressions. So uh, my I actually co-own it with my business partner, Daisy Mastriani, and we talk about being the bridgers. A lot of people who are interested in this, you know, healing, the healing arts, but don't understand it as much, have really come to us because they feel safe and we do a lot of mindfulness practices in schools and they're like okay what is meditation all right what's this past life regression thing and um so we've been really enjoying working with people in our area and helping them seeing it as another alternative to you know healing and becoming them their best self so that's what i've been doing just a little just a few things that's awesome. And, you know, you were mentioning when we were chatting earlier today that you actually got to enjoy a float a couple weeks ago. I did. Oh, my gosh. So uh, you want me to share what happened? Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like a lot of fun. You act when we were in Omega, you talked about a float and I had heard about it a little bit, but wasn't so sure about it. And um, so it was on my mind. And then my friend approached me and said, and she said, I feel like we should do this float thing. Have you heard about it? And I said, I have from my, from Sam. And so we went to it and what I realized, it really reflected some of uh, the transitions I'm going through. You know, I think you're probably like me and a lot of listeners where if you're committed to be in the healing arts and you're committed to making a difference on the planet, it always starts with you as an individual. So you're kind of in your own stuff and working through it as you help others. And I have been really looking at transitioning, like where do I want my work to be? What practices do I want? What, client, what kind of clients do I want to call forth? And just kind of digging in and um, on my own, or you know, where I get stuck with my ego. And, and so I went in the float, and the first thing I did, I was telling you that the gentleman said, oh, you might have this med, you know, nirvana feeling I actually bawled like a baby however what followed that kind of release of feelings was this beautiful like zen and relaxation and um, and I felt like I also connected to the playful side of me that I hadn't connected at this level so I felt like there was like three phases in my float which you know sometimes my clients will say you know some of this work and these healing arts are actually like therapy but like fast paced or on crack it just like kind of breaks you through so fast and I'm like and that's what I felt like with float it took me you know I've gone to therapy and I remember you know I love that practice but I remember thinking like it took me a long time to kind of break open and feel some pain that I was holding on to where the float I, I think within two minutes I was crying and releasing in the way it took me probably like six sessions in therapy. So I'm a big advocate and I really, I share it with my clients. Awesome. And you know, it's interesting because every float is a different experience. Um, exactly. Yeah. Like after the first couple, you kind of get in your groove. You, you don't really have that awkwardness. So the first one or two floats, a lot of people say, I just didn't know what to do with myself at first. So it took a while to get into it. 
after the third one, you're not feeling that anymore. You kind of just get in and get, get into it. But it is a very different experience. I know when my husband Chris goes in, he feels almost like he's spinning. Mm. Not in a bad way, but, you know, and I yeah. really feel like it's everything opening up. And I know for me today, like I just had an amazing float, like the first little while, you know, just kind of relaxing and getting into it. But then I had this big burst of huge ideas and breakthroughs Mm. of um, things I've been working on, but not quite getting it right. And I got out and wrote a whole keynote speech right after a float today. Like, it was just crazy. But there's so many wonderful things that happen in water. I love it. But you're not alone with the crying. You know, we've had a few people tell us that they were crying. And this one sweet girl... She, um, she was so excited to come in and float. She's been floating for many years, um, but there wasn't anything in our local area until we opened up. So when she moved there, her floating stopped. So she hadn't floated in about 10 years. And um, so she was so excited to go in and float and love the space and everything. But when I turned the float off for her to come out after her hour, she started crying because she just said, I just hadn't been that released and happy and so long she was mm-hmm. I feel silly but I just sat there and cried and cried because I didn't want it to be over but the great thing is you know she can come back anytime it's never really over but um but it's amazing yeah. what can be released when we allow yeah. ourselves to relax enough to let go exactly and that's and that's what's nice about the float is it how comfortable you just release your body there's nothing to do other than like be and I could see why you got had this, you know, these great ideas coming forth because that's actually I'm uh, scheduling another float because I feel like that is the next step. I, you know, to be able to open up and I'm a, you know, practitioner in meditation and mindfulness. So I, I think that it's such a nice tool to allow that space and to turn off sound, you know, to have everything just be quiet so you can go in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I sometimes do listen to music when I'm in there. I have one of our floaters, he brings his iPhone with books on tape because he said that's the only time I'm really going to get to listen to the books I want to read. And if I try to read by the time I go to bed, I just fall asleep. So, um, so I thought that was a great idea too, but I find my floats now are much different than when I started floating. Then I liked the color therapy on, I liked the music on and now I go in and the lights go out right away. I even in the in the room itself, I turn all of the lights out. And um, sometimes music, sometimes not. But each one is different. It's really cool. That's nice. I think you have actually more options than what what I place I visited. So that's nice to be able to have those different options. Yeah, yeah, it's really awesome. So talking about releases and different ways to release. Today's themes really around the power of forgiveness, which is probably the biggest release we can ever hold um, because it's one that holds a lot of power. When we're needing to forgive others, it can hold us back from what we really want. It can mm-hmm. block love from coming in or going out. There's so many different things that you know forgiveness really can do. So it's quite powerful in healing and in growing. So I wanted to have you on today because you have such an inspirational story around forgiveness and around the release that that can bring. 
Um, so first I wanna thank you because I know your, your story is very powerful, but it's also very personal. So thank you for sharing it with everyone. But can you tell everyone, what is your journey with forgiveness? Well, um, back in 2014, the spring of uh, 2014, I was, I had been married. My husband and I had, I got married when I was uh, just shy of 23, and we had just celebrated our 15-year anniversary when he had shared, it was really after our anniversary, he said, look, I want to do a marathon I really want to go into my 40s, like we were both 38 strong and healthy. And, you know, he's pretty strong and healthy, but it was like the next phase. And I was like, go for it, babe, you know, do it. And he started training for a marathon. And then on uh, April 6th, on his run, he was going to go for a 60-mile run. He was struck and killed by a drug driver who was later identified who was high on Xanax and marijuana. And so after being married for, you know, 15 years, I, my life totally shifted. My husband, who we had an incredibly strong relationship, you know, I don't know if any relationship, you kind of hit a sweet spot. You've kind of figured out things. We were really kind of hitting our careers in ways that we were proud of and, we have a daughter at that time, seven years old, and we really kind of had some really strong roots in how we were moving as a family. And when he was killed, I was faced with um, having a life without him. And for me, what happened, and people ask me, well, how did it what happened? How did you respond? And what I responded when I first heard Chris was killed was I definitely freaked out and there was a lot of feelings around it. But regarding the woman who killed him, there was never anger. Um, there was never like the feeling of revenge. Now I understand the feeling of revenge and anger because I have had it in my life and I it definitely shoots up for me. But in that moment, within hours of finding out Chris uh, is my husband's name, uh, died, I got this clarity of I need to forgive. I need to accept that he's died, and I need to forgive this woman. Not, that doesn't mean that she doesn't, there's not consequences, she's not accountable. It's not any of that. It was just about not being stuck in anger and upset and actually not accepting what was so, which was, what was so was Chris died. And what was so was I was now going to be raising my daughter on my own. And I could either be pissed about that or I could accept it and find healing in that process. So that's the beginning of my forgiveness journey. And I think that um, it really relates to the work I had done in my spiritual practice as a practitioner in the healing arts, you know, years before that actually gave me that space to be able to access, to be able to, first, I think I chose to forgive. And then I actually had to be forgiving. You know, I had, to, it's a practice. It's not like, it's not a noun, it's an action. And it's a daily action too. It's something that at least I've found, you know, you find it and sometimes you have to remind yourself that you've found it. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like it, mm -hmm. it'll come sometimes creep up on you if you're not in that, in that space of service and in love and gratitude, um, 
that can creep back up again. And it's just a matter of, okay, remember we already healed from this and kind of go through it again. Does that make sense for you? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, my husband, I think what I had, how I was able to stay in that position of forgiveness is I could have compassion for her because though I I hadn't killed anyone, I haven't driven, you know, high, um, it wasn't, those were not my behaviors. I am a flawed human being who makes mistakes. And that was kind of the kind of the rocket booster that I attached myself to stay in the forgiveness lane. But I think, um, and the other thing with forgiveness too, for me at the time was when, so my husband was an assistant principal and what was really clear was the social media, local news, you know, people were upset. I mean, I would say pissed off um, that the injustice of this kind man who was killed and Chris Sam, he was a nicer guy than I was. I am the feisty. I was the feisty one in that duo. And I think it uh, comes with the name. My Chris is pretty good too. <laughs> probably. probably. Uh, and he. Um, so what happened was I. I went. It was a really big shift. It's one thing to forgive and have it be your own journey. It's another one to go public in the face of people feeling almost the opposite. But what I found was it really was a lesson for me on the ripple of coming from a compassionate, forgiving place and how what I found was my community, you know, Chris had in his um, service for his funeral service, we had over 2,000 people attend. That's amazing. Yeah, it was, thank goodness. We had a school district that gave me the football field because I was like, where logistically it was a bit of a like mind bend of what to do. And um, what I chose to do was go public with the forgiveness, not making the woman who killed my husband wrong and not making people who were still in the space of anger and wanting revenge wrong. It was just, here's what I, here's what I'm committed to. Cause this is what I want. I want to come out of this a better person. But if I, if I don't choose forgiveness, I can't see how I will be a better person in this process. And it's, um, it's, you know, it's just likening it to letting life work on you. You know, we can wrestle with life and situations like all of us can relate, you know, why did someone cut us off on the road? Why, why was I born with these parents? You know, why, why didn't I get that promotion? Why do I have this body? And I think all of us relate that we are handed things, it's in the wrestling of it and the, like, um, the upset that we're stuck with it. And to me, that's, you know, where Chris was a big advocate of it's your attitude. It's all about attitude that, that allows you to have freedom in life or it allows you to be tethered and suffering. And I just didn't want to be tethered and suffering. So I chose freedom, which had me choose that being compassionate and forgiving. That's beautiful. And, you know, I, I know that that, had such a huge impact on your daughter's ability to move on as well. Um, I know I've worked with so many families who have seen tragedy, especially when I worked um, in child welfare, you know, parents passing and the children have a really difficult life because not only are they going through something that's so hard for a young person to go through, um, they, they also have to do it. Call from, 
Is that ever weird? All right. <laughs> that's, just, that's just enhance what you're about to say. Absolutely. Right. We all we all get calls and messengers, right? Um, but but you know, I'm sure that the attitude that you approached helped your daughter to heal in a much more holistic way than had you been carrying a lot of anger and resentment and her feeding off that. Yeah. So all. Uh, oh, sorry. Yes. So I just I I think that's amazing that you were you did that for you you did that for Chris but you also did that for Izzy and it's such an amazing story and thing for her to go through and how many lives you both will touch and others can can heal from your process. Yeah, it was really it was a a profound journey. Um, what I got, I could get, it wasn't always, because, you know, I think grieving is a process. I think, and it is, um, for anyone who's lost someone close, or I think there's many life um, experiences that are similar to that, where it doesn't matter what you're grieving, whether it's a human being, or it's income, or, you know, a community, or, you know, we, we grieve and lose things throughout our life. It took me, though, there was moments during the six months where I kind of tell, I tell people that I was a little bit of a zombie. There was a little bit of, like, being surreal and just kind of just taking one day at a time. But what I, what I knew to do was to go back to my roots of what had healed me before. And in my, I was very lucky where I brought in Reiki practitioners every week and they would work on me, my daughter, and at one point we even lived with my parents. We all kind of joined together to support one another. And um, my parents were like, we're in. And then we would get readings. And I think being able to connect with my husband on the other side and talk to him, I can even, you know, I get teary-eyed still about it, is is a gift that I I know. I actually went to a camp that was for widows and widowers. Um, it's out here I think there's actually one in Canada too it's called widow's camp and what was interesting out of 400 people who've had their spouses die almost 95% of them believed in uh, spirit coming back and connecting it was phenomenal to be able to have conversations about the clarity of which no my wife yes she comes and talks to me she's there's signs I feel her with me or I've had readings and that I had access to that, I I tell people, like, I squeezed that, like, orange, like, nobody's business. I was wanting to let my daughter, my family connect to him to help in the healing process. The Reiki, because, you know, we hold energy in our body. Um, we really just, as a small family community of friends and family, we all jumped in both feet. And I and I am... I was touched because in that process, my family and friends acknowledged me saying, thank you for giving, you showed us things we didn't know that could help us in this process. And that's beautiful. Uh, yeah, it was phenomenal, phenomenal. And, um, you know, I can say that we, most of us, if not all have really done some amazing healing work. And I actually think we're better humans on the other side of this, but it really did take working through it and allowing ourselves to feel 
but also and processing it and and challenging ourselves to like what what can I get out of this if I take this on if I take this pain on and I move through it and I look at it instead of running or blaming and uh I'm I'm so proud of the my friends and family and how we've all worked through this together because my husband was a integral part of our I mean he was he loved people and he had so many close friends so it was a really hard pill to swallow when you know this sweet man was killed and I love how you all worked on healing together you know we live in a society where a lot of things are private and I speak with so many people when I'm doing grief coaching and and things like that and through readings as well and they'll say you know the first couple of weeks I wanted to be alone and, and I just couldn't be alone because everybody was around. And then when I was mm-hmm. finally ready to talk about it, no one wants to hear it anymore. They're like, aren't you over this already? <laughs> you know? So I love yeah. that you were able to heal as a community because there's so many stigmas around grief. People think there's a timeline. There's no timeline. It's a process. And sometimes you're going to go forward, then you're going to take a couple steps back and then you're going to leap forward again. There's no process, no timeline. It just, it is what it is. And if you don't work through it, that's when we get stuck in life. Yeah, no, and that was, we actually had this phenomenal moment. So Chris had his one sister and we, um, she was really struggling. She was, she had gotten to a place of acceptance, but she felt so alone because they had this sweet bond between them. And we really, one day, we just had to, like, we got into, like, really expressing our upset. And she was upset. And she shared. She's like, I'm upset. I feel like you're moving through too quickly. And she didn't live in the area as much. And and I was like, I feel like you're not trying to move through it at all. And we had this really, um, I would say probably, you know, like, angry, hurt place of where each of us had landed in this process about six months after Chris passed and we cried. And then all of a sudden what we got was we just said, I miss him, you know, and I, I can cry about now because it was such a tender moment for her and I to just shed, to share where we were, but it did take having to go through a really painful place of hurt. And we got to a place of, being sad and we looped back to what are we committed to? And that's a conversation that has, that can be woven through my community is what are we committed to? And her and I looked at each other and we said, we're committed to being making my daughter Izzy proud on how we move through this grief. And so when we looked at like, that was our commitment, like a mission statement we then had the opportunity to create that. And I, you know, I know you shared earlier, like grief is a process and sometimes it's different with different people. You know, I was in a different place with maybe my, my parents or my daughter, but with my sister-in-law, we were, we were, you know, struggling and um, allowing that kind of flow to happen. And what I've learned, one of the things I've learned too is, I think anyone who's pretty successful and accomplished in their life has a bit of a need for control. And I think I am top 10% in that area. And <laughs> this, <laughs> you can't get stuff done unless you have some need to like move it forward and drive and yeah. control. 
And um, I really was learning how not to have control and letting it go and trusting the process. Like that's something I learned is trusting the process. And that was really my commitment to trust the universe, that there's a bigger plan, there's divine timing, there's something that I'm going to see, that we all are going to see that can help me come to peace and be in peace with each individual who I love and letting them have their process. You know, we all move through life differently and grief is, you know, no exception. And um, I learned a lot about myself and what my expectations were in these last couple of years. That's so beautiful. And, you know, one thing that I love is how you acknowledge, you know, you squeezed that orange as much as you could and you went for your readings and took your family and any connection you could get, you wanted it. And now you've come full circle because you're giving that gift to other people, much like I do, Um, you know, and it really is a gift. I know when I go into a reading and, and I'm connecting people with their loved ones, it again, much like forgiveness, it's their way of just going on allow. You have to be totally in allow and just give what you're getting. But the mm. gratitude on people's faces. And and so I think it's just so beautiful that you've been able to turn that to a place where you're actually giving everything that you received. Yeah, it's really, I mean, it's, I just know the freedom. Like I connect, you know, I, I think you do. A lot of people come to us um, who've had family or friends die and, and to be able to give them the gift of whatever those individuals on the other side are sharing. And it's always love, right? It's always, always. It's always love. And sometimes they look at you like, well, he wasn't that nice. And I'm like, well, can you imagine if you kind of could release your ego? And, you know, really, it all there is is love. And um, seeing people heal. I had one client who just you know, just was struggling and, you know, and struggled in her marriage with her husband and struggled in his death and kind of felt like things weren't wrapped up. And the love that he had for her and the acknowledgement of who she was in his life and the gift, and that freed her up to where, you know, she is traveling the world, doing things that she said, it was funny because she said, he, um, what? He wants me to travel. He never wanted me to travel before. It was always money, money, money. And I, and I was just like, he wants you to travel. He, he knows it's your heart's desire. And that one permission, and she felt it. Like oftentimes I tell people in reading, I don't tell you anything you don't already have a sense of. I'm just validating oftentimes mm-hmm. that what you have a sense of. And that's why the, the truth, you know, truth, truth has a ring to it. People feel it. That's why once people open up oftentimes to readings is, and they love it because they can hear the truth, how authentic, and it's a feeling. And um, to see someone like this one woman who was a widow now travel the world and literally live in, ha- and in a place of happiness and gratitude and knowing that her husband on the other side has her back and this is what he wants is such a level of freedom and joy, and then she gets, she gets to give it away. You know, she's Absolutely. a of, you know, follow your life's passion. So, yeah, I think um, 
there's a being him there's a human side of me that has this depth of compassion for people struggling because I've been there I'm there you know I struggle all the time um and I have a connection to that humanity that doesn't it really kind of releases my judgment because sometimes we don't share because we're worried what people think or I'm not doing it right or I'm really pissed off this happened um and I just kind of, you know, I relate to that. And I think anyone, uh, most healers I've met, that's something that they're so exceptional at is they're so exceptional, exceptional from coming from the heart and using their own experiences on this planet to open themselves up to help others heal, to do the same. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, it doesn't matter whether – I'm doing readings, whether I'm doing healing work or whether I'm doing coaching. All of those things come back to previous experiences that we've had and our ability to empathize and our ability to let go and just give where the client's at. And um, I know that you have that gift. And it's just, it's an amazing way of showing that full circle of how, yeah, we can go through some things and some of them are not so good. And it's, it's okay to get angry. You know, I had a client, it was so funny. Uh, last week, we um, had our open house. And I had somebody stop by later that evening. And um, she had said, I was really, really hoping that you guys would have a plate smashing room. And at first I thought, that's so strange. But if, you know, I'm not saying that, I'm just kind of processing, like a plate's not, like you want us to like break plates? She goes, yeah, like throw them as hard as you can at the walls. And mm. I thought, people do that? She goes, yeah. She said, there's a, there's a place in the States and one in Toronto, and there, you get a crate full of plates. And the deal is that when your crate's gone, you let go and you leave. Uh. And I thought, you know, that's such a great idea because we, other than, you know, you're breaking plates and you could hurt yourself and, you know, mm-hmm. all that stuff. But, but acknowledging that, yes, we do have anger, but we do have that point where we have the last plate and we have to say, okay, it's time to let go. Just give it all yeah. you've got and let's heal from this and move on. Um, and I just thought, wow, what an interesting perspective. So high five to whoever thought of the plate throwing room. That's a pretty cool <laughs> yeah. idea. Um, I would be upset about breaking plates. I'd be like, oh my gosh, you know, the whole controlling in me, I think a little bit, I'd be wanting to put them all back together. But, uh, but I thought, let me in. I, you know, I think it's a good idea. You know, we, we need ways to release our anger. And in talking about forgiveness, we're not saying that there's no such thing as anger, that you should just get over the anger piece. You still need to process it. It's having that eye in the prize at the end of, okay, what is our common commitment? What is it we want out of the end of this mm-hmm. so that we can get through it? Still process that yeah. anger. It's, it's a stage. You're, you're, we're not going to escape it, but we don't have to stay there either. And, and I really think that in having the forgiveness is the key ingredient to getting out of that anger phase, whether you're grieving a job loss or your partner cheating on you or someone passing away, it doesn't matter what you're grieving. The stages are still similar. You have your own timeline and how you process it. But one thing is for sure, if you don't find a way to move on and get past the forgiveness piece, you stay in that anger phase much, much longer. Yeah. And I think that's what the, the, it could be the litmus test is 
what's your experience of life? And if your experience is, you know, I'm not happy, I'm not feeling joyful, whatever it is, I'm not feeling peace, contentment, then that's your, that's a perfect indicator to say, okay, maybe there's some more work for me to look at. And oftentimes, even, you know, I think you and I both would agree, you know, you were sharing about your accident, is even though we might have worked through something, it's, you know, life's like our emotional body is kind of like an onion. So we've worked through it and we're at a different plateau. And then maybe a year later, we're experiencing some new feelings. You know, maybe I, you know, I laugh because like the whole dating world, which is hilarious because I hadn't dated since I was 19, has totally brought up stuff for me. Some of it around grief, some of it around my own personality, my body image. And I just keep taking it on because I really want my quality of life to be really high level. I want to experience joy and peace throughout my day. And that's a commitment to myself. And sometimes that really is, you know, I have to dig in at a new level on uh, an insecurity maybe, or concern about judgment or fear, you know, oftentimes they say like when you boil everything down, it's between love and fear. And everything else is just kind of uh, links to either of those. So, um, you know, and I want to live from love. So I really actively look at the areas when I'm living from fear. Absolutely. And, you know, for anyone listening, like, we do all experience fear from time to time. But the reality is that we've created that fear. Mm -hmm. And so working through it, whether it be through forgiveness or just operating from that place of love and service, we can change those fears. We can Mm -hmm. rewrite our subconscious is an amazing thing. We can get back there and rewire that thing anytime we need to. Um, But when we don't, it can really be a roadblocker in us getting what we want, but also in keeping our actions in alignment with what we really want. So I know I have a lot of people that I've worked with over the years who have said to me, you know, I just want to be happy. I just want to be happy. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why I'm not happy. I don't know why I don't have these other things. And when we go through, there's so many limiting beliefs and fears that have been created Mm -hmm. that are blocking them, whether it be, you know, I feel, I feel trapped, like I'm not good at anything, but they have a fear that women aren't supposed to work, for example, or a limiting belief mm-hmm. around that. Or I'm afraid yeah. my husband will leave me if I if I gain too much weight. I've heard that one as well. Mm-hmm. I've actually heard the opposite too. I'm afraid my husband will leave me if I lose the weight. Um, wow. You know, it's interesting the way we allow beliefs and fears to creep in and actually have an impact on the actions that we take in our world. And so I love that you you do a lot of really key things that people can really learn from you. You have your eye on the prize. You know what it is that you want. Ultimately, you're really great at being self-aware and keeping yourself in check, but you're also really good at being honest with yourself and just being true to you. And, and I think that people can really learn so much from you, Erin. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And that's one of the things I think hopefully people get a sense of, giving them, them themselves permission to do it their way. Because what joy looks like for me or any feeling or happiness, it's very distinct to what I want. 
to compared to what someone else wants. And I think that the more, especially I feel like women, sometimes we have a tendency because we're so community based and we're collective in the way we think and work that sometimes it's hard to stand out or to stand up and say what we want. And, um, I think it's a beautiful thing that men do kind of naturally. I love the book Lean In from the COO of Facebook because she talked about the statistics around how women, we try to fit in, blend in, not make waves. And I, you know, I look at myself, you know, and how people would say, wow, you forgive and you forgave her and, you know, you're a widower. Oh, you poor thing. And I, I realized like, wow, how people saw me was not necessarily my, who I was. And how, and it really, for me, not one, the first part sometimes is, well, there's kind of a few parts, but the first is looking at, you know, kind of moving through your own emotions and pain or struggles or suffering. And the second is, who do you want to be? And then the third oftentimes is enrolling and sharing who you're, and being and telling people who you want to be, like training people how you are in the world and making room for yourself. And I just hope, it's my hope that women and men, but I see it more with my female clients, the, the struggle in doing that. But what I know for sure, and I think you would agree, is that we're here for, we have special skills and gifts, and it takes us sharing those gifts. And they're so unique. They don't look, they're like our fingerprints. They don't look like anyone else's gifts. But that means being different and being ourselves. And I want, you know, I just love that about this young generation, they talk about millennials and my daughter, you know, they speak up and people go, Oh, how dare they? Don't they know they need to be quiet? And I'm like, no, I love it. Speak up, share. You have a place on this planet that's unique to you. And I hope that people, you know, listeners listening today, take that forth and really find the are empowered by who they are and how they see the world and how they interact with it and that the world needs them exactly the way they are excited and and um, motivated to be. Make sense? Absolutely, absolutely. And you're so right. A lot of people don't really understand really the significance of what our young people are saying. And, you know, mm-hmm. when I, especially when I'm working with employers, they'll say, oh, you know, it's so hard to work with, with this generation coming through. You know, they don't they don't want to work. They are entitled. They're this or this. But, you know, there's another piece of it. They just learned in a different way. So their world looks very different from ours. You know, a lot of us come from a manual background where, you know, you get work done by doing it. They just don't think like us. But boy, do they have some incredible ideas about how our world should be working and how they want the world to look for their children and grandchildren. And, you know, it's very impactful. It's impactful to see their ideas around climatization and healing and how to approach people. I just don't know that they're getting enough credit. So I love that you're saying, speak up. Let's, let's hear what you have to say, because really we're living in their world. You know, yeah. we're, we're leaving them this world. And so I know, um, with, with my, especially my three youngest, my older two have got lots of great ideas too, but they're kind of in those, the nineties in between period. But my younger ones, you know, they have such great ideas and they're so open. You know, they, my one daughter has no problem taking her tarot cards to school. You know, and she'll just, 
you know, oh, well, here, let me give you a reading. And it's, I can remember being in school, I would never have done that. That was something, you know, we did a slumber party and it was very secretive and you don't let anybody know that you do it. But they're just so yeah. open. And, you know, my youngest, she'll, if somebody's hurting, she'll say, you know, I think really you've got some energy blocks. I think we can work through this. But to think of an 11-year-old coming out with something like that is just incredible. It's incredible yes. that we have such young healers. Totally. And I think it takes something, it takes a confidence stand, and that they kind of, I don't know, it's the way they were grown, it's the way they were born and maybe the time period. But there's this, I have something to say and it's worth hearing, which for me, I had to undo the, you know, that whole children are to be seen, not heard. Mm-hmm. And my parents have shared that. They said, you know, we, I'm one of five kids. And they said, you know, we apologize. That was kind of our, the way we trained you guys. Like kids are not meant to be heard. They're meant to be seen. And the gratitude, I watched my parents as grandparents of 11 grandchildren. They are so interested in what their grandkids have to say. And I love that. But it was a big shift, a big acknowledgement of, you know what, we have this viewpoint. It didn't work. It doesn't work. And you know, and this is not to say that politeness, manners, all that stuff is really important because being kind to one another, but that everyone has something to say, you know, and it's worth hearing. And sometimes it's not just saying, you know, we have all these introverts. It's seeing, it's being with someone, it's reading it and allowing people to express themselves in all the different ways that is unique to them. Yeah, and I, I love how they ask questions. I love how they ask questions. Um, I had a couple of young people trying to remember where I was. I think, hmm, I don't remember. I was out somewhere. It was in public. I was waiting for Chris somewhere. And there were these three young people. It looked like two of them were sisters and one was a cousin or a friend or something. And they were actually all talking about the election. And I thought, first of all, they were very educated. Your election, yes. But you know, they were questioning facts as opposed to just tabloids, which I found fascinating for these young teens to actually be interested in what was really happening behind the scenes. Um, But they were asking great questions. And then the one said, you know, I don't know the answer, but I bet we can find it. Pulled out her phone and they started together researching. And they were talking about whether or not it was a credible source. And I thought, wow, like that is so powerful and impactful. I wish they were voting, like, you know, because they were actually putting some thought into it and they were researching and trying to get a really good idea and handle on what was going on, but also understanding the significance of what was going on. And, you know, I don't think when I was 12, 13, 14, I don't think that would have crossed my mind. You know, certainly no. not until, until I was in my early adulthood did I really understand the significance of what what decisions are made in our countries. So I thought that was so impactful and powerful. It, it's brilliant. I actually showed my daughter, you know, because um, she showed my daughter because, you know, they go to school and they hear, oh, I vote for this, vote for this. And we were having this conversation. She was trying to understand the personalities. She, I don't mm-hmm. get I don't get it. And I said, you know what? The only thing I could come up with, I did search, and I, um, Deborah Silverman, who's an astrologer in 
the U.S. I she did a um, personality on uh, the candidates, and I thought it was the best way to describe why they. Cause she want, my daughter wanted to understand why do they communicate this way? Like why does Hillary and this is when Bernie was also running and Bernie and Trump, and um, and she watched it and she was like, oh, oh, okay, so he's a Scorpio, he's a Pisces, oh, okay, and. You know, it was the neatest thing because it wasn't judgmental. It was just understanding. Which, yeah, and I think sometimes that's what I like a lot of you know younger people is they're not looking for a viewpoint. They're looking for like the facts, and then they get to bring their own viewpoint. Absolutely, and you know I do that a lot too with my kids around chakras. And I know even Chris, it's so funny now. He'll if he comes across somebody who's very aggressive or whatever, he'll be like, oh. Broken third chakra. Okay, I get it. It's not personal. It has nothing to do with me. They just have a broken chakra. And I just, you know, I giggle away. Like, I don't know if it's broken necessarily, but you're right. Like, there's something unhealthy. There's some blocks there. We're all human. We all have blocks somewhere. It's just a matter of how we're expressing them. But certainly, it's, he's right. It's not personal. It has nothing to do with us. It just has yeah. to do with how they're expressing themselves and whether they're operating from fear or love. Yeah. Exactly. And that's such a more compassionate and understanding way because we can relate to that. If you're, oh, you're the mean guy or you're the mean woman, that's out the out there. But it's like, oh, you're you're wounded or you're hurt. Oh, this is how it expresses. We soften. Mm-hmm. And I think that's such a beautiful step in, you know, human compassion, you know, and then the healing arts that they give us that the tools and the language to see it from a different point of view, just a softer point of view. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So we're coming up on about 10 minutes left. So I would love to know what are some events that you guys have coming up with Broken Wings? We are, um, we actually have. Or sorry, uh, Bent Wings. Bent Wings. That's okay. Broken Wings. That's funny. Um, that's really kind of how we came up with the the name of the company. We were like, we want it to be something where it, in, it encompasses our humanity, but also, you know, possibility, potential. And so we thought we all have bent wings, but we could still fly. You know, it does, we don't have to be bent. I love that. And, yeah, it took us a little while. We were all over the place. But we are doing a series. We are working on creating um, meditation classes, which we always uh, make available. We're working with a local artist who um, is going to have people paint their um, souls, and we're going to do like a guided meditation. And then we do we're doing readings with it, so we're learning how to integrate it with um, other uh, forms of uh, like whether it's art or. different forms of Mm -hmm. kind of self-growth. But anyone who is interested, what we do is we do readings. We do, we're constantly on FaceTime doing readings for clients. And we've done, um, I actually am doing a series now with our local, um, a local yoga teacher who I'm going to start integrating meditation prior to the yoga classes. Um, because that's she, a great she, idea. It, 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 because people are like trying to relax and they're trying, you know, yoga is about going into your body and listening to yourself and meditation's a, a tool to get there. 
And so we've been, you know, we've been doing a lot of collaborating. Um, and then the other thing is we also do like group reading. So we always, people hire us. And I think you actually saw on your Facebook, did you do a group reading recently? Did I see that correctly? I did. I did last Thursday. Um, okay. We have a great theater here. It's called the Greg Fruin Theater. And Greg Fruin is a magician. So he does these really cool uh-huh. shows. And so Spiritual Niagara invited me and three other mediums to come do um, an evening with spirit. And we had, we sold out at over 100 tickets. It was fantastic. Um, But yeah, what a great opportunity to collaborate with other mediums. And normally I work pretty solo. Um, Yeah. So that was my first time, first of all, working with any of them. I'd only met them once before we got together for one afternoon. And it was amazing how well it flowed. The other cool mm-hmm. thing was we all somehow knew which timing we were supposed to be. Um, you know, we were trying to decide the order and it was so cool to see how everybody as they finished the next one coming up complimented. Like it was the perfect mm. order for each of us too. It was really, really cool. Um, so you guys do those together though. You're used to working with another medium. Yeah, it was. Yeah, we just, I used to do it by myself, and then um, we started working together because, you know, it's a lot. Because as you probably know, you're getting a lot of – you really have to open up and kind of not manage the space. So, you know, everyone's moving or doing whatever they're doing, and it's just like just when you open up the spirit, it's it's really being totally present. And what I love with working with Daisy and I is the ability to kind of ping pong. And she goes – while I'm zeroing in on someone else or, um, and I love groups because when you do group readings, nothing we say, I, what I love about we bring, you know, we've done it for parties, birthdays, showers, or just people that want to get together is it's the funniest thing because the group, especially if they know each other are like, yeah, you do that. Or, Oh my gosh, your mom would totally tell you that. And it's having like this validation because though I trust everything that comes through, I'm human. I like to know, did it land? Did this make sense? Um, Absolutely. My favorite for the gallery readings like that is when um, you have the person and they're just like, they're not with you. They're like, I, I don't know what you're talking about. And you have the wife or something going, are you serious right now? George is your brother. <laughs> so it's so funny to see that dynamic because they're just like, no, tell this lady to go away. Like, I don't want my reading. And, you know, their partner or their friends, whoever they're with, they're like, yes, they can totally take that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It was, we did this one retreat, which was amazing. These local women, um, kind of elders in the community brought together these women who were on the threshold of having babies and promotions, really kind of late 20s. And they created this retreat, and it was the funniest thing because we'd be like, well, you know, you're pretty controlling. And, you know, she, and one was like, no, I'm not. And then everyone started laughing because you're, I don't want to be, like, disagreeing with them. Like, well, that's not what I'm getting. I'm getting, you know, <laughs> you kind of hold tight. And when you're with people and it's not just a one-on-one session, it's they got to do the work for, you know, me and Spirit. They were like, no, remember this? And then the person's like, okay, all right, all right, I see your point. And there's just a softening and a openness to it. So uh, I do, we love group readings. We love, I also, you know, you and I were trained in past life regression and I really, really like the group 
uh, past life regression. I like pulling people together, and sometimes we just roll with whatever. Um, you know, I just walk them through a past life regression, and sometimes we actually will create intentions. I brought together parents. I've about a handful of clients who were struggling with one or more of their kids, especially one. You know, they had two, three, four, or five kids. And I invited them. I said, would you want to do a past life regression to see what the lesson is for you? And why would you come back in this life with this daughter or son? And it was beautiful to see it, you know, um, to see the ahas. And, you know, as you and I are well aware of, just sometimes going back, it doesn't mean you have to re, um, recreate that time period, but just going back and seeing a past life, like seeing certain habits or certain experiences you have that influence the way you see your child or vice versa, there's like freedom in it. And um, several of the clients, you know, came back to me and were like, oh my gosh, it's kind of like being driven. Like you have something pushing you on your back and you, it's like a monkey on your back guiding you with like, I just, I did never understood why I would get so paranoid. Like they were going to get hurt. This is, and when they, you know, especially one, she said, I went back, I saw my child died before me. And just seeing that, like, I have such a lightness and I, you know, and her and her daughter was like 18. She's like, we had this wonderful conversation about letting go and what it's like to be a parent. And she, she shared with me for the first time, she felt like her daughter really got the difficulty of being a parent and letting a child, you know, leave the nest. And, you know, that's like, yeah, it was really nice. So those are some of the things that we do. We, um, with our company and we do them both locally. We, you know, travel sometimes and a lot of remote work. Very good. Very good. And how can everybody connect with you? They can either go to, so an easy one is Aaron Pruitt, um, my name, P-R-E-W-I-T-T, but Aaron Pruitt on Facebook. I'm also at Inspired by Aaron P. Or bentwings.net. You can go to either um, our website, you can go to my Facebook, and I will, you can Google, you'll see some, oh my goodness. You Google my name, I look a little funny in my picture, so be gentle. Uh <laughs> <laughs> oh man have you ever googled yourself it's not a, I don't recommend it for the light of heart <laughs> I have it's so funny um what actually I had never googled myself and my son Austin I think he was in grade three at the time maybe grade four he said um he came home from school and he goes so my friends and I googled you today and I said what are you talking about they're like well we googled you and did you know that there's pictures of you on the internet. And I said, oh, okay. So of course my older son is a teenager at the time and uh, he had some fun with that. He's like, there's pictures of mom on the internet, is there? And you know, Austin at the time didn't, yeah. didn't get that. He goes, yeah, there is. And I was like, that's so weird. And I Googled, sure enough, there I was. That's, it's really yeah. neat. But you know, it just shows everything's on the internet. <laughs> it's so one, yeah. One thing I really would love to do, Erin, you know, today we were going to be open to taking callers, but we've been chatting so much our hours up already. So what do you think about maybe another time coming back on the show and we'll dedicate the whole show to reading and we'll kind of do teamwork together? I would love that. That sounds like a blast. Awesome. I, I would love that too. That would be so much fun. I'm in. 
Awesome. Awesome. So all of you can stay tuned. Erin and I will choose a date and definitely I will have her back and we will do some readings together, get, deliver some messages, maybe in time for the new year or something like that. Erin, thank you so, so much for joining us today. I know everybody can learn so much from your story and so much from your inspiration. And I love spending time with you. So this has been a lot of fun for me too. Um, so thank you so much for coming on the show. My pleasure. It, it, I, I totally enjoyed it in Canada and Niagara Falls is lucky to have you, Sam. You are a sweetheart and very generous. I got to see that when we were in the retreat together and since. So it, pleasure is all mine. Oh, thank you so much. So I'm sending you big hugs in California. And hopefully it won't be too long before I see you, but definitely we'll have you back on the show. Sounds great. All right, everybody. So it's time to wrap up for this episode. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, it will be archived, so you'll be able to access that on Blog Talk Radio. You can also access that on my website. I promise I will get them updated. I actually learned how to do that, how to put the posts on my website. So that's my plan for this week. I'll get my blog posts and the radio shows all uploaded on there. But definitely feel free to share with friends. If you've got a friend going through difficult struggles around forgiveness or grieving, you know, I know that Erin can be an inspiration to them. And I know that us building a community and talking about these issues will help so many people. So please feel free to share that. And of course, if you're ever wanting to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook. I have two pages. So one is the Grounded Roots Wellness Inc. page. And the other is Sam Black, Certified Psychic Medium and Wellness Coach. So you can find me on Facebook. I'm also on Twitter. And you can go to our website, www.groundedrootswellness.ca. So those are the ways to connect with me. If you're in the Niagara area, definitely you'll want to stop by Grounded Roots tonight. Chris is starting the DDP yoga classes. And he's not charging anything. So just go on over, try it out, and uh, you'll definitely enjoy it. All right, have a great night. I am sending you all so much love and gratitude. Thank you for joining us.